Cornish Mutual, farming insurance experts. Welcome to this bonus episode of Farming Focus, which is linked to episode four of the show. If you haven't already listened to episode four, the main show, why not go back and listen to it in full to make sure you get the most from this bonus. We're now going to hear from Simon Haley, who's a rural business advisor and director of SRH Agribusiness. Simon will be talking about funding diversification ventures on your farms and the options available to get your project off the ground. Simon, what's your key piece of advice when it comes to planning and seeking funding for a farming venture? We, we talked a little bit about having a longer term view for a business. Is is that where you'd start? You know, there'll be people listening who are just wondering, you know, how, how do I start? Where do I begin? Absolutely. And the key, the, my key piece of advice is never underestimate how long it might take to get through these processes. Um, I was I was referred to the grand designs type element of it'll always cost you twice as much, take three times as long, and someone will get pregnant along the way. No, <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying that happens for every farming business, but definitely the time scales and the funding element of it, it'll yeah. cost more than you think and take at least twice as you expect. Yeah. If you're going for funding, acknowledging that on paper, you shouldn't be starting that project at all until you get that grant agreement offer letter. Well, for some of those large farming transformation fund grants, so these are the ones that are normally 35, 50K and above. And if that's at a 40% rate, you're, you're, you're nearly spending six figures um, to have that project eligible at its bare minimum. Mm-hmm. That will take you probably about anywhere between nine to 12 months as a minimum, Peter. And that's assuming that the application window is open as well. Yeah. No. Let, let me give you a really good, quick example here. Uh, we've just seen the uh, latest round of the Improving Farm Productivity Grant released, the one that's about robots and automation, robotics and automation. Yep. February 2022 was the last time that that grant was 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 available. Now I had a, a sit down with a client at the start of January 2022 to talk about what they wanted to do with their dairy farm, how they could change it, incorporate the next generation. Should they invest in the parlor? Should we go into a different route? Labor was a struggle. By the time we'd applied for that grant or it came out and was available, we'd applied for it. We then waited for it to be appraised. We then got all the way through to actually starting the project, which was May, 2023. So already we are 15, 16 months down the line. We're now going through a nine to 12 month build phase. It'll be March, 2024 before those cows are going through those robots for the first time since Jan 22, when we first started talking about it. Yeah. So those grants are definitely there. It's just whether they're going to be there quick enough for you to access. And that comes back to my previous point of going, do you just chase a grant for the sake of it? Or if that diversification venture, let's say, actually stacks up commercially, why is it left on a shelf? You should be cracking on with it ASAP. 
Yeah, and, and and actually that resonates with my own experience. So we, um, in the last year, finished putting up some new industrial buildings on our farm and I'd looked to apply for leader funding for them. And it's exactly as you say, I wasn't allowed to break any ground on the project until I'd had a grant confirmation. The, the grant application was shortlisted and we had it on good advice that we would probably be successful. But there were so many hoops that we had to jump through and... I wanted to try and keep the project and the end product as flexible as possible, uh, which is a theme that we've been hearing throughout this series. Um, then actually we decided not to go with the funding and to get it from elsewhere and just to get on with the project. Because as you say, it stacked up on paper, it gave a good return. So we were better off getting that return in the bank account two years before we would have done had we waited for the grants. If people aren't able to get funding from um, grants and things like that, they'll need to go to other sorts of lenders and, and other sources of finance. Can you talk a bit about them, please? Yeah, so you've obviously got your traditional high street banks. We've seen a couple of new players to the market as well uh, over the past year. The problem is sometimes, Peter, going down that route. If you are a new business or certainly a startup business, people struggle to demonstrate that they've got a track record behind them. Now, for some, it's not too much of a problem. They'll say, well, send us your business forecasts. You know, again, coming back to the importance of having business plans and a strategy and, and those financials. But it, it can be a large hurdle for people to get over in the first place. There are other sources, um, you know, if we go down to maybe the secondary and tertiary level lending, whether it's some of this peer-to-peer -peer lending, whether it is smaller grants, going back to my point of encouraging you to go down the CPD route. So it might not be finance up front. It might not even be a grant. It might have to be a loan at a higher rate. I think if people are wanting to get on their foot on the ladder in the first place, they should be looking at every route possible. And that might be a joint venture route. It might be a share farming or a contract farming route to get there as well. But sometimes that initial hurdle is absolutely the hardest one. Um, what I would encourage is everything is a competition in life and you've got to have your head screwed on when you're going for these for these grants and opportunities. It's the same as if you will be going, let's say, for a farm business tenancy application as well. You might get over that initial first hurdle, which is, well, what's your name? What's your address? What's your eligibility? You might have even had someone prepare a plan for you. And you get to the second stage when push comes to shove, people want to look in the whites of your eyes and know that you know your project inside out. And if they believe in you, then they're more likely to believe in the project. Now, the hard thing when you're writing a grant application or a business plan is, how do I get that across? If someone's only going to read that on the back of an email or, or in a hard copy version, yep. it would be too easy for me to say, just stick a load of pictures in. I mean, it helps and there's nothing against doing that. But then obviously it comes back to what tone of language that you use. You know, I would physically say as a consultant, make sure you stick every buzzword in nearly every sentence throughout that application. Resilience, sustainability, volatility, brilliant. We're ticking all of those options. But you want someone to be intrigued. You want someone to go, I want to hear more about this. Either it's a bit outside the box and I want to know where they've come from, or this is absolutely nailed on. Those financials, I can see they've thought about it from a number of different ways. And I'm a sucker for some of these uh, nice acronyms or phrases or just things to remember that some things up quite well. 
here's here's where my five S's. It's not just because I'm called Simon, but the five S's uh, that come into play, Peter. And this is will be a mixture of how banks or or other funding providers will traditionally assess a business, mm-hmm. and also a couple that I've thrown in as to where we are now in the market. So we've yep. got serviceability. Absolutely, you need to know that a plan is able to afford that mortgage or can deal with those ongoing costs going forwards. Now, traditionally, I'd have, I'd have put security in there because banks lent against security of assets. Mm-hmm. It's not that anymore. It's about the serviceability of you incurring or, or keeping that debt going forwards. Around that, we need to show sensitivity. What happens if the interest rate keeps going up? What happens if the milk price goes down? What happens if my costs change by a certain percentage? So we've got serviceability and sensitivity. Then obviously got the buzzword I just mentioned of sustainability. And that's not just about going to get a carbon audit done or to know um, about emissions in in certain areas of your business. It's how well resilient is that plan to changes going forwards. Is that going to be a 5, 10, 15-year plan that I'm still confident is going to be ticking some of those key boxes down the line? How sustainable is it in a long-term view? One of the most important, though, S's, I would say, is how sensible is it? Sensibility. Is that something that if I'm a dairy farm and I've got some land, some buildings spare, and I want to go into poultry production, for example... Is that something that that bank manager would look at and go, do you know what? That's quite a sensible idea. I could see how that would move forwards. But then if I've only got a 10-acre site and suddenly I want to say that I'm going to take over the whole of the Southwest with a new contracting operation, well, really, I'm not quite sure I believe in that plan. So that is not sensible uh, going forwards. So, yeah, there's there's your five S's. Security, serviceability sensitivity, sustainability, and sensibility. Brilliant. That's so helpful. Thank you very much. And and I was, I was going to ask, uh, is there anything else that we want to get in a uh, business plan specifically? But really, what we're saying is so long as we can cover those points and know them ourselves, don't just get somebody else to write it for them, really understand them and get into the detail, we're on a good footing. Do you want, you want to tell that story, Peter? Um there's still something in the recess of my mind, even as an advisor doing this over 10 years. When someone says business plan, the human instinct is to go, oh, I don't know what a business plan is. Uh, yes. And to nod and then go, oh, my God, I'm not quite sure what that means or how to pull it together. A business plan could be a page. A yeah. business plan could literally be a glorified mission statement and, and and a few key figures and nothing more. I would say 10 pages will do you absolutely fine, okay? 10 pages should be able to cover nearly every single scenario. I go to 50. I go to 80 if I want, but no one's going to read those pages. You can provide the detail if you want, if it's a three- or a five-year forecast, but 10 pages, and I'm not talking about Arial 79 font here like we all did at school. Uh Arial 14 or 12-point font, um, you want to give half a page on your background, You want to give half a page on your current situation. You want to give half a page on your future aspirations. Then you incorporate those five S's by showing some financials alongside that. So a good 12-month forecast. People might ask for two or three years. Let's be honest, year two and year three will only go in that direction if year one happens correctly. Uh, So you want to to 
uh, pinpoint what those key figures are. As I say, you want to show some sensitivity around them so you understand what happens if the market changes. And then probably pages four, five to ten are filled up with the rest of those financials showing the breakdown in the gross margins and you, you've got the cash flows so you can see what the bottom line is doing. But people shouldn't need to go past pages one to three. And the reason why, I, why I'm reinforcing that, Peter, and I had a bank manager say it to me about six, seven years ago, and rightly or wrongly, I've, I've kind of followed this path since. They said, Simon, I want you to do my job for me, in effect. I'm having to put this proposition to my credit lending team. You know, it's not the ag relationship manager who's signing off these plans. They've got to believe in them, but they still need to get them signed off. So yep. they need to write that commentary. If all I'm doing is sending them 50 pages of numbers, that's an extra job for them. If I can send them a 10-page business plan and the first three pages give them everything that they can nearly lift up and put in their report, Peter, that's win-win all round for me then, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you're much more likely to have them on side if you're doing that, aren't you? So we talked there about planning stages and getting funding and working towards the, the start of uh, this diversification. What are the main mistakes that farming businesses can make or you see most commonly when it comes to, to starting and, you know, the first few steps with their diversified business? I think I think straight off underestimating the size of that project. Peter, uh, underestimating it in terms of how long it might take to get that paperwork and those fin and, and that financial information together, how yeah. long it might take to apply through that grant process, and how long then the RPA take on the, yeah. the other side in appraising it. I think it's underestimating how much energy they might have to put into that diversification enterprise, acknowledging that first point we said of 90% of that main core farming business income is going to come from the enterprises that are already there. Yeah. We can't suddenly put 100% of our effort into the diversification route and expect the core business to still be performing at the same rate and volume intensity. Yeah. One, one of them will have to suffer. You know, yeah. one there has to be a bit of give. If we don't want it to suffer, we shouldn't be going down the diversification route in the first place. So I think being honest with ourselves about why we are going down that diversification route in the first place. Is it our choice or are we doing it, Peter, to combat or to counter an outside force? As I said, what's outside our control, maybe weather, family situations, policy. Uh, why are we doing it? And um, if you will, uh, I've got another one for you. I've got six Ds, okay? We had five Ss. I've now got six Ds. <laughs> and this isn't just family-related, but it would be nearly uh, cover any situation about why change might happen on a farm, okay? Yeah. They're not all negative, although it might come across that way. So we've got death, debt, divorce, dispute, dissolution, disagreement. Yeah. Now. If we're thinking about taking on, let's say, the next door farm come yep. up for sale, or we're wanting to put a diversification. Oh no, let's let's let divorce. Uh, sorry, dispute and disagreement sound too similar. Let's get rid of one of those and throw in diversification. It's the most obvious one thing to think as it's the content of this podcast. Diversification, as we've just said there. Why are we doing it in the first place? Is it our choice or someone else's choice? Number two, debt. 
if we are taking on a new opportunity, we might need to increase our debt portfolio. We might not have the finance there to do it. So that's not always a negative taking on debt. Debt is there to facilitate growth and development sometimes, let's say, or we'd, we'd hope for more of the time. So first is diversification, second is debt. Third and fourth, divorce and dissolution. Yes, whether it's from a personal or a business context, divorce from the personal, dissolution from a business context, because it might be uh, we've had someone uh, in terms of separating their own ways, the business might go from a limited company to a partnership or from a partnership to a sole trader. We might need to dissolve it in some way and start again. And then we've got death and dispute. Death is obviously outside of the control of all of us. It happens and we have to deal with it. Dispute is a lot more inside our control. But if if people are like me and I'm just stubborn to the hilt, uh, disputes happen because we, we've got too much pride of, often um, uh, to say sorry or to acknowledge that we might not be completely right in what we're saying and we need to hear someone else's point of view. But nearly all of those six Ds should cover any situation that happens on the farm, Peter. And as long as we are acknowledging it might not just be one of those um, boxes. Maybe a situation can tick two or three of those boxes at any one time. But these are strong influencing factors that will position a business and its direction forward. Yeah, absolutely. And if listeners want to hear a little bit more about that, we covered similar areas with Heather Wildman in episode two of series one of the Farming Focus podcast. So if you haven't heard that, it bears repeating. It was a great episode with Heather. So please do look back, go to the Cornish Mutual website and look for the Farming Focus podcast and go to that episode with Heather Wildman. There's some great stuff in there as well. Simon, Thanks very much for that. I think we're going to have to produce a manual to go with this episode to include all of the information. Um, Just another question, when we're thinking about the beginning of a scheme, what's your key piece of advice when it comes to planning and seeking funding uh, to get that farm diversification off the ground? Um, I think straight away, I'd just say, start sharing those plans with people, voice them. Yeah. If we keep them in our own head, If we keep it just around the kitchen table and no further, and we talk with the two, three other people that we sit there opposite and think, well, either I'm going to raise it, but I know what the answer is, or I'm not going to raise it at all because I know what the answer is. Often they, they get no further than the kitchen table or the kitchen door, Peter. As soon as you start inviting people in, Let's get the accountant round for a proper meeting. But at the same time, let's invite the bank manager. Let's invite the planner. Let's invite the consultant. Mm. Once we start vocalising and even better, putting these plans down on paper, there's an expression of of interest window open for a grant. Let's stick that in. What's the worst that can happen? That we get invited to the next stage and we have to talk about these plans more properly. So that's the key piece of advice. Vocalise it. Don't just keep referring to it as as the thing that will save the day because it never will. It'll just be talked about for the next 10 years and, and, and onwards. Yeah. I'm a great believer in getting outside of our echo chamber and articulating our ideas to different people, because that's how we get to iterate them and work them through and evolve them. And people might come up with different tweaks on them and things like that. So I, I completely agree with your suggestion there. Cornish mutual farming insurance experts. 
Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Farming Focus. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss any episodes in the series.